Amen. Praise God for the choir and Sister Joyce Pollard in leading us in worship, for preparing our hearts for worship. It's always a blessing seeing Sister Pollard on the piano and uh, just warming our hearts, giving us that affection for Jesus Christ. Uh, even though words are not spoken, the, 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 the keys themselves speak loud and clear. Amen? Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord God, you are worthy of all praise and all honor. And Lord, I'm humbled again, Father, by the opportunity to declare your message, your word to your people, Father. Now, Lord God, as your word is spoken this day, I pray, Father God, that we will not simply hear your word, but we will obey thy word, Lord. I pray, Father God, that your word not simply seek to get us emotionally high, but, Father, that we would be humble and faithful in what you have before us this day. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, Father, for your word. Speak now, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I uh, pray that everyone had a Merry Christmas. Amen. Um, some... As we celebrate the birth of our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ, some of you have awakened to the reality that you spent way too much money, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for the next few weeks. Amen. I hold in my hand a dollar bill, and I would have a little bit more before you, but if you're a husband or father, you know that it's kind of difficult keeping the bigger bills in your pocket. But uh, this dollar bill, written on this dollar bill, is the national motto for our country, as it is the case with every uh, currency that you have. And written on this dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. So that is our national motto, and it's it's kind of funny how the national, how In God We Trust came to be our national motto. Uh, the, in God We Trust became our national motto during a time of crisis, during a time of conflict, and during a time of, of war. It was during the, the period in which the U.S. Uh, found itself in the Cold War with the Soviet Union. And during that Cold War period, the U.S. wanted to send a message to do something that would distinguish the U.S. from the Soviet Union, which was a state-sponsored atheism. And so in, in order to distinguish itself from the Soviet Union, uh, the Congress, the 84th Congress, passed a resolution to make In God We Trust our national motto. And President Eisenhower signed that motto, or signed that into to legislation, in, in 1956. And so it, it, it's interesting to see how that motto, In God We Trust, came about through a time of conflict and through a time of war. Uh, much is the same, God uses conflict or crisis and storms in our life uh, to bring about 
the message in our, in our lives to see who it is we trust. He brings storms into our lives to see if our trust is in God or if our trust is in someone else. He brings conflict and crisis in our life to determine if the words in God we trust are merely printed on the paper in our pockets or if it's printed on our hearts to be faithful to God. And so we see this crisis, conflict, comes by way of God so that we would trust in him to determine who it is our trust is in. Today I want to speak to you from the message of conquering your storms. And through this message, the main thought, the main idea that I want you to to grasp, that I want you to walk away with, is that you can trust that Jesus Christ reigns when it rains. You can trust that Jesus reigns when it rains. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter your situation or your struggles. I'm here to tell you that Jesus reigns even when it rains. And through the message, we're going to see three ways in which Jesus Christ reigns with our storms or in our storms. Uh, We just passed another year or, or on the verge of passing or completing another year and praise God that he's brought us through another year. Uh, Many of you, amen, many of you look back and look at some of the storms you may have, the Lord has brought you through, uh, and some of the things that he has saved you from. Uh, But I'm here to tell you that uh, many of us here today are going to go through some storms in 2015. I don't know what that storm is going to be. I don't know how long you're going to be in it. But I can almost say with confidence that everyone or most people here are going to go through some type of storm. It might be a storm in your marriage. It might be a financial storm. It may be just a storm of identity in yourself and who you are. I don't know what it's going to be, but I can say with confidence that you are going to go through some type of storm in 2015. And the question is, Will you come to see that you can trust that Jesus reigns even when it rains? If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 20 or verses 22 through 33. And before I read the passage and before you stand, I just want to give some context to what leads up to this particular passage and this particular event in Matthew 14, 22. Uh, before this particular passage that I'm about to read, uh, Jesus Christ has been with the disciples and Jesus performs a miracle that many of us are familiar with in that he takes two fish and five loaves and he multiplies it to feed over 5,000 people. We see the compassion, we see the the, the, the love that Christ has for the lost, those who are, are in need, those who are desperate, and him feeding over 5,000 people and performing that miracle right before the eyes of the disciples. And it is during this time that uh, Jesus, after he feeds these 5,000, there's a problem that, that starts to percolate. It says that Jesus Christ perceives that they are going to try and take Jesus Christ by force and make him their king. And while that sounds honorable, their intentions and motives for making Jesus Christ their king aren't pure and aren't right. And so we find that Jesus Christ perceives that that is their intention, those are their intentions, and he begins to dismiss the crowd. 
And as he dismisses the crowd, we're going to see that Jesus Christ sends the disciples off and the disciples find themselves in a storm. And we kind of see how Jesus Christ reigns even when it rains through this particular story. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. And the word of the Lord reads, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May the Lord have a blessing upon the readers and hearers of his word. So we see the disciples and Jesus Christ coming from this miraculous event or miraculous uh, display of, of, of God's power, Jesus' power in him, taking the the, 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 the two fish and the five loaves to feed over 5,000 people. And because Jesus Christ wants to kill any noise of making him king or taking him as their king, he begins in verse 22 to immediately lead the disciples. It says he immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So Jesus Christ leads the disciples to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee toward the western northwestern part of the, 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 the coast. And that is what he does. He dismisses, the, he, he sends the disciples off, and at that time he dismisses the crowds. And after he dismisses the crowds, it says that Jesus Christ went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now the one thing that stands out to me in this passage is, first of all, that the disciples find themselves in a storm because of Jesus Christ's instructions. Jesus Christ led them into the storm. And so the, the one thing that we see in this particular passage is that Jesus Christ reigns with grace. And immediately when we look at this, we might find that, okay, why is that grace if Jesus Christ is the one that led them into the storm? First of all, we know that Jesus led them into the storm and Jesus knew that there was going to be a storm because Jesus Christ knows all. In him are all the wisdoms of, uh, and knowledge there is and and the fullness thereof. And we know that Jesus Christ is omniscient. He is God, the son. And so Jesus Christ knows that there's a storm, yet he sends the disciples into this storm. It is a matter of grace because one, Jesus Christ knows that it would be better for them to be into the storm than to be caught up into the chaos of the crowd. 
And so Jesus Christ knows what is best for his disciples. And like the disciples, many times we just don't see, we can't see far enough ahead to know and see the big picture. But Jesus Christ knows that it would be best for the disciples to be in a storm than to be in a crowd. And so Jesus Christ leads them. He leads them uh, into this storm. And many times we find ourselves the same way. We, we see that Jesus Christ leads us into storms. He leads us into to what we may call storms of perfection, where Jesus Christ leads us into storms even when we are faithfully following Jesus Christ and doing his will. The disciples follow the directions of Jesus Christ, right? He said, go into the boat. We don't see any arguing. We don't see the disciples saying, why do we have to go into the boat? Why aren't you going to come with us? Or why don't we just stay with you? Or whatever the case may be, the disciples simply follow Jesus's instructions. They following God's will to go to the other side. And many times we find ourselves, we question when we're in the storm, we question Okay, God, I'm following your will. I'm doing what you've called me to do. I'm trying to be faithful. So why am I in this storm? And we know that Jesus Christ sends us into the storm for our good. But many times we don't see that grace and pain mixed together. We think that it's, an, it's kind of an oxymoron. Pain and grace just don't, don't go together. But if we remind ourselves that salvation was won through pain and grace, we would see that God works through pain and grace. We see that Jesus Christ bore the nails on the cross. He hung on the cross in the, in the heat of the day, pain. He bought salvation. He, he paid for your sins and my sins on the cross. He rose again in three days, not because we deserved it, but because he is gracious. Pain and grace, I'm telling you, they go together. God uses pain to display his grace. And we see that being the case here. God leading the disciples into a storm of perfection. It's a storm of perfection because it's, it, it, even though they're obeying the will of God, God knows that we need and the disciples need, their faith needs to be perfected to transform us to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Their faith is incomplete. And unless Jesus Christ leads them into the storm, they will not have a better picture of who Jesus Christ is. The whole intent, Jesus Christ leads the disciples into the storm, and we'll see later that the whole motive is that they would see him in his glory. They would come to see Jesus Christ for who he really and truly is. But just think about it. If the disciples had not gotten into the boat, if they had not followed the will of God, and they said, we're just going to chill on the coast with you, Christ. We're not going to go. We, we find it best to just stay here. Then they would not have been put in a position at which they could see Jesus Christ at his best. And that's where we find ourselves many times. We question. But let us trust that Jesus Christ reigns with grace, that he does what is best for us. And trust in that. But if we're honest with ourselves, many times we're, we're not in a storm because we've obeyed God. We're in a storm because we disobeyed God. I mean, you can look back. I can look back over so many situations in my life, and I'll be like, man, how many, how many situations, how many struggles, how many trials and tribulations did you find yourself in because you did not follow God's will? 
found yourself in a, in a struggle, in a relationship that God said that you know you're not supposed to be in. But, you, but because that person's attraction was, was so much more greater than your faithfulness, you said, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm try this relationship out. Maybe this is the one. Yet God said, do not be unequally yoked. How many times we found ourselves in a storm where we disobeyed the word of God and we, we, may, have, we may have spent our money loosely. We didn't steward our money as God, God called us to. And, and, and because we, we, we're not coming, we're not tithing, we're not giving God any money, but yet we're spending it all on ourselves and then eventually find ourselves in a financial storm. How many of us have found ourselves in a financial storm because you, you disobeyed God? Because you didn't follow God's will? But there's good news. There's good news because there's grace even in our disobedience. Because Jesus Christ, he meets us where we're at, and, and, and the storm of correction is meant to turn us back around so that we would repent and that we would trust in Jesus Christ and that we would agree and say, Jesus Christ, you know best. You know what's best for me. That's the, that's the aim of when Jesus Christ, it's not punishment. Punishment is us getting what we deserve. Christ paid for what we deserve, so he's not punishing us. He's trying to get us to a point. His kindness is meant to lead us to repent, to repent, to turn from our sins and to trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Storms of perfection and storms of correction. He's leading us into the storms because it's for our good. And there's some storms that are heavy, some storms that some of you are going through, some storms that we look at and we be like, man, what good can come of this? Romans 8, 28, and all things God works for the good. Now we say that, we say that, but do we really believe, do we really believe it in our hearts that in all things God works for the good? When you see somebody who's been mutilated because of abuse, physical abuse, when they've had something, they've, they've been burned by their, their, their husband or, and they're, they're disfigured and, and situations happen, can, can you really believe that in all things God works for the good? Do you really believe that? When a child is abused and you find yourself questioning, does he work in, in all things? It doesn't say that, that everything is good. He says in, in all things, he, it works for the good. Specifically for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Trust that, trust that he reigns with grace. He leads us into these storms. He leads us in, and sometimes we find ourselves, we find ourselves being beat up like the disciples were. In verse, verse 24, while Jesus Christ is praying, it says that, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, and sometimes we find ourselves just getting beat up by life. You find yourself getting beat up. Everywhere you turn, it seems like you're getting sucker punched, and, and, and if it's not one thing, it's another thing, and, and you, just, you just seem like you, can't, you just can't get, get your, 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 your foot firm, and you're just slipping, and you're just struggling all the time, getting beat up by the waves, getting beat up. Some of you are just trying to get to the other side. You're trying to get to the other side of glory. Jesus Christ said, go to the other side, and you're trying to get to the other side. But you're struggling in doing it. You're, you're trying to faithfully follow Christ. You're trying to get to the other side, and yet depression, it seems to just weigh you down. The depression of cloud is on you. You're trying to get to the other side. You're trying to get to the other side, but, but there's, there's, there's the, 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 the effects of, of, of abuse, mental and physical abuse, and you're, you're trying to faithfully follow God's word. You're trying to read God's word. You're trying to come to church. You're trying to serve. And he just said, I'm just trying to get to the other side. I'm trying to get to the other side, but life is, is beating you up. 
And so there's comfort in knowing that Jesus placed you in a storm, but you're like, I, I can't, it doesn't stop there. Because if he just leads you into the storm and leaves you there, which is our greatest fear at times, is that Jesus Christ has abandoned me. I'm here alone. He, I, know he, I know he brought this into my life because the church talks about how everything works for the good and, and, and all of this, but, but, but I'm here alone and I'm struggling. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ and, and his grace, he reigns not only in grace because he leads us into the storm, but he reigns with grace because he, he joins us in the storm. Because he comes to us in our time of need. He comes to us, and, and sometimes we don't know how long that's going to take. We don't know how much time it's going to be. I know that sometimes you're struggling. I, I come to tell you to hold on. Because you, I know you've been struggling for a mighty long time, but hold on because Jesus Christ will come. You find yourself maybe like the disciples. It's the fourth watch. Jesus Christ made the disciples get into the boat the previous evening. And yet it's the fourth watch when Jesus Christ comes to them. What is the fourth watch? The fourth watch is between 3 and 6 a.m. the next morning. So the disciples are in the boat struggling for hours upon hours against the wind and the waves. They're about two or three miles out in the sea, struggling all night. Some of you feel that way as well. You've been struggling all night. You've been struggling for years. You've been struggling just trying to get to the other side. But there's good news in God's word. Because in the parallel passage, Mark 6, and John 6, it tells us that Jesus Christ sees them when they're far off. Now catch this. Jesus Christ is on the mountain. He's praying. Jesus Christ sees them in the middle of the sea. Two and three miles out, Jesus Christ says, I got my eye on you. I see you. I know you're struggling. I know where you're at. I know the, I know you're, the wind is against you. I see you. Trust me. I see you. I know where you're at. Jesus Christ just doesn't see us. He, he comes and joins us in the storm. He's faithful. And so we can trust that he reigns with grace. You might be two to three miles out. You, you might not be able to see where Jesus is, but Jesus Christ certainly sees where you're at. He certainly knows where you're at at all times. He knows where we're at. So we can trust in that. There's a story of a, a man who... Uh, found himself stranded. He was shipwrecked and found himself stranded on an island. And this man, he prayed uh, continuously that God would send someone to rescue him. And as he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, uh, no one came to his rescue. And months had passed. And this man, uh, his survival skills got pretty good and, and he built himself a, a hut and he placed everything that he kind of owned at that time and it accumulated into this hut. And then this man goes out and he begins to, he's hunting for, for food. He's hunting one day. And as he comes back from hunting one day, he finds that his hut is on fire. And the man looks at his hut, and everything that he owns, except for the clothes on his back, is gone. At that time, that man became furious, and he, he began to curse at God, and he began to, to question God. God, I've been praying to you that you would send someone, and you haven't sent anyone. I've been, I've been calling out to you to help me, and yet... And I'm, I'm doing my best, and, and all that I had, you took it away. And just as the man is on his hands and his feet, he sees a, a ship coming toward him. And, and the ship comes, and they eventually they see him, and they rescue him. And the man is not quite sure how they found him. And so he, he asked the captain, he says, Captain, how did you guys 
find me? How did you know I was here? And the captain said, we saw the smoke. And we were going through it, and we decided we need to check it out. And oh, if, if I could just help, if I could just get you to see that Jesus Christ, he comes. And, and, he, and he will rescue us in a time of need. It may be some time when you're praying and you're not seeing a specific deliverance, but Jesus Christ will come and he will sustain you. He will keep you when you're in the storm. So it's not just about Jesus Christ rescuing you, but the fact that you know that Jesus Christ's grace keeps you in the storm. It's a matter of grace that the disciples didn't get, didn't get overwhelmed by the water. They're, they're rowing for hours and hours, but Jesus Christ, because he's got his eye on them and because he's, he's ruler over the sea, he says, they shall not be overtaken. They shall not be overruled. And so he, he sees them, he catches them. He's got them. And then Jesus Christ. He, he, words that I, I just love. He, he, Jesus Christ, he, he comes to them in verse 27. Well, before we get to that, in verse 26, the disciples, they, they start to get terrified. They don't, they don't see Jesus. They don't, they, don't, they don't think that it's Jesus Christ. They see a ghost. And, and we would as well. If you see somebody walking on the water, you, you'd be terrified as well. But that, that just goes to speak. At times, we, when we call to God and when we're in the storm, sometimes we, we don't expect Christ to come to our rescue. Our storm seems so overwhelming. It seems so big and the magnitude of it just seems so consuming that we don't necessarily always expect Jesus Christ to come and rescue us. We pray, but at times when we pray, we pray with a divided heart because we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't believe that Jesus Christ will come. So when Jesus Christ shows up, it, it just takes us by surprise. We're kind of like, whoa, I was, I was praying. I mean, I was praying, but I wasn't really expecting for you to show up. It's kind of like when Peter, when he found himself in jail and the disciples were praying and they were praying that, Jesus, that Peter would be released. Peter, Peter shows up at the door and's like, knock, knock. They open the door and he's like, no, it ain't. They said, it's, Peter's at the door. He's like, no, it's not Peter. We pray and sometimes we don't expect Christ to show up. But if you're going to pray, expect Christ to show up and expect Christ to be with you. That's grace. That's grace. And so when we find ourselves, we see the words of comfort, Jesus Christ, he, to, 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 to kill their fear, Jesus Christ in verse 27, he says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Words of comfort, words that kill our fears, the words that put us at ease, that we hear the words of Christ, that he would tell us to not be afraid. So when we find ourselves in the storm, there are times when we, we, have, to, we have to lean on God's word and we have, to, we have to continue to remind ourselves and meditate on the word of God. When we find ourselves in those storms and we question whether Jesus Christ is going to come to rescue us, whether he's going to be gracious and, and sustain us in our storms, we can remind ourselves of, of his word. We can remind ourselves what, what, the he, what, what the author of Hebrews 13, 5 says when he says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It says he will never, ever, ever leave you, nor forsake you. And if that's not enough, we can look at Isaiah. We can look at Isaiah 43, 2, where it says that when you pass through the waters, he says, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. 
Some of you are in a fire. Some of you are in the water. And Jesus Christ says, I will be with you. Might not pull you out of the storm right away, but he says, even better, I'm going to be with you to show you my grace, to show you that I'm able to keep you. He says, my grace is sufficient. That's the power of God. The power of God is not necessarily always delivering us from the storm so that there's no more hurt and no more pain. But many times, the power of God is sustaining us in the storm, keeping us so that we're faithful, that we would trust in him. And so we see that Jesus, he reigns, he reigns truly with grace. Not only do we see that Jesus Christ reigns with grace, but we see that Jesus Christ also, he reigns with power. He reigns with power because we see that in verse 25, if we back up again, we see that in, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them and Jesus Christ is walking on the sea. Check it out. Jesus Christ. First of all, I mean, Jesus, he's a bad man, I tell you. Jesus Christ, he's, he's, he's got him in his sight and he comes to them and Jesus Christ doesn't use a boat, but he says, I'm going to walk on the sea. Watch when they check me out and when they see me coming so that they can see that I am Lord, that I am ruler over the seas. And so Jesus Christ is walking on the water, demonstrating his power, demonstrating his power to control the waters. Now, we may look at this storm and be like, okay, this storm brewed up, but you know, I've come to realize that this storm, Jesus Christ, is in, he's in control of it all. Jesus Christ, he, let me tell you, he, he used the storm in a sense to kind of put a break on them going too far. So while Jesus Christ is praying, the storm is buffeting them so that they don't get too far out. Because Jesus Christ is, is saying, I've got I've to show them something, so I've got to make sure they don't get to the coast. And so Jesus Christ uses the storm to slow them up. You ever put your emergency brake on and you're trying to drive your car and you're like, man, this is going slow? When you forget to take the brake, the brake off and you're trying to drive and you're like, man, something's wrong with my car. And you realize you got the emergency brake on? Jesus Christ, put the emergency brake on. Put the emergency brake on. Slow up. They go, slow up. Y'all go to the other side. But I, I'm, I'm going to come to you. And so we see his power to control the storm. We see that in, in Proverbs 30. Four, it, it tells us who, it says who has gathered the wind in his fist and who has wrapped up the waters in a garment. It says, what is his name? What is his son's name? Jesus. Jesus. That's his name. Proverbs 30, centuries before, says who? What's his, what's his name? What's, what's his son's name? Prophetic. <laughs> Amen. And so we see this storm that Jesus Christ has control of it. We can, we can trust in Jesus Christ. We can trust that he reigns when it rains because we, we see that he reigns with power. The water, in a sense, seems as though it's worshiping Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ steps on the water and the water's like, I'm going to hold you up because you're the Messiah, because you, you're the creator of all things. You're the creator of heaven and the earth. He says, I'm going to hold you up. You ever seen like an artist or a musician at a concert where they do like a stage dive and they dive onto the crowd and the crowd's kind of passing them back and forth like that? It's kind of like Jesus Christ is on and the water's like, we're just going to pass you by. We just want to do some surfing here, Jesus. Just You're the Messiah. You're, you're the creator of all things. We, we will worship you. 
if, if, if you don't praise him, he says the rocks will cry out. That's, that's, what, that's what my Bible says. He says, that, he says the rocks will cry out. Whatever, he says, I'm the creator of all things. I control these things. So the water is, is, is in a sense worshiping. He's it's holding him up. Jesus Christ comes to them two to three miles out, three to six a.m. in the morning. They feel like, you know, where is Jesus Christ at? Jesus Christ comes to them in power. Not only does he come to them in power, we see that he comes to them, he, his power to call, his power to call us so that we would trust in him. The fact that we trust in Jesus Christ in our times of storm is, is, is a, a gift from God. The fact that we don't fall away, it's a demonstration of his power. We see that in verse 28, it says, and Peter answered him, it says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Uh, Peter shows us what it looks like to trust in Christ. And man, we can look at this and be like, man, there's no way, right? Peter had done something that no one else but Jesus had done. What led Peter to do what he did? Peter saw the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. And Peter, because of God's power, because of who Jesus Christ is and his call to come, Peter said, the safest place for me to be, the safest place for me to be is near Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get as close to Jesus Christ as I can. And sometimes that's what faith is. It's faith is I'm going to get as, I'm trying to get as close to Christ as I can. I'm going through the storm. I'm getting beat up, but I'm going to press on. I'm going to try to get as close to Christ as I can because that's my safe place. Peter left the boat. Come on, he left the boat. A fisherman. He leaves the boat. In a storm. And... We see he does this because he, he puts his trust that Jesus Christ will keep him and that Jesus Christ will uh, enable him to come to him in the midst of the storm. So Peter trusts in Jesus Christ and he, and he, and he walks through. He, he, he trusts in the power and trusts that Jesus, it's safer to be with Jesus Christ than to be in, in, in the boat that where he's at. How many of you are holding on to some things? When you're in the storm, you're holding on to everything but Jesus Christ. You might be holding on to your wisdom. I don't know. You're holding on to your boo. I don't know who you're holding on to. You're, you're holding on to something and you're afraid to let go. You're afraid to let go because you're like, this is the safest place for me to be. But Christ says, no, the safest place for you to be is near me. Call out to me. Come to me. He will not turn away anyone who calls and comes to him. And so are you, are you coming to Jesus Christ? Are you, are you seeking him as your safe place? Are you trusting in him? The one thing that really stands out here also is that, that Peter, let, notice what his faith was not based on. Notice what his faith is not based on. Peter did not base his faith on what, what the, other, the faith of the other disciples. There are 12 in the boat. Only one got out of the boat. Peter did not start to think, okay, are you guys going as well? 
If you go, I go. I mean, you know how we used to back in the day when you were little. If you go, I go. If you jump, I'll jump. Peter didn't base his faith in trusting in Jesus Christ because of what the other disciples were. Sometimes you're in a storm, you, gotta, you just got to go with yourself. You say, I'm, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I, I, don't know, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to make it through your storm. I don't know, what you're gonna, I don't know if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, but, but for me, I know the safest place is near Jesus Christ. So Peter, he doesn't look at it. He doesn't base his faith off of what anybody else is doing, and we can't do, we can't do that either. Now, there are certainly where we're encouraged by others' faith. But there are times when you've got to say, I've got to go solo. I'm going solo. Not only does Peter not look at, base his faith off of what the other's doing, but he doesn't base his faith off of his own ability. If he had based it on his own ability, Peter would have stayed in that boat. Peter can swim, but he can't walk on water. I'm convinced of that. He can swim. And, I mean, he's a fisherman, so he can get down in the water, but he can't walk on water. So I'm convinced that Peter's like, he didn't look at, okay, can I, you know, I wonder if I can really do this. I wonder if I go to Christ, if I start trusting in him, will he let me down? Will he really, will he really let me down? I don't know what the church says, but is he really with me? I mean, is, will he keep me if I, if I, if I trust in him? If I'm, if I'm faithful to him, will, I, will, I, will he continue to keep me in the midst of my storms? Peter doesn't do all that. Peter also doesn't, he doesn't base his faith all, all, on, the, on his conditions. He doesn't look at the storm and be like, okay, man, this storm is it's tough. So I, I don't know, I'm going to stay right here, Jesus Christ. Why don't you come to me? Why don't you come to me, Christ? Come on here in the boat. Come in the boat. No, he sees who Jesus Christ is. This is the whole lesson. Our storms are a classroom for God. This is, this is a whole lesson. Jesus Christ calls him to him. That's power. It's power that we remain in Christ even through our storms. That we trust in him. That you're here is a matter of grace and his power. And we see that with Peter. But there are times where doubt creeps in. You're trusting in Christ. You're trusting in God. And then all of a sudden, we take our eyes off of Christ. And the storm just seems to be, the, the wind seems to, to whip up a little bit more. That's kind of what happened here in verse 30. Peter's, he's trusting in Christ. He's, he's walking on the water. Peter's doing good. He's trusting. He, he sees Christ. Christ is his aim. Wasn't focusing on anything else. And it says that in verse 30, it says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? There are times whenever we're in a storm, we have a tendency to doubt. Uh, If you are a Christian and you have put your faith in Christ, I would understand if you have, there have been moments of doubt. Doubt creeps in. Doubt is not the same as unbelief, but it can be a gateway to it if you stay there too long. So there may be moments where we're trusting in Christ in the midst of our storm. We're trusting in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our struggle. Our marriage is is struggling. We're, We're trying to hold on. 
We're, we're wondering where God is. Financially, we're struggling. We're trying to make ends meet. But it just it seems about as apart from each other as east is to the west. We're, we're trying to make it. But we, we see that there's this struggle, and then we begin to start doubting when, when we put our focus on our, on our crisis and on our situation, and we take it away from who Jesus Christ is. So when we start to dwell on our condition, it doesn't mean to ignore it, but sometimes when we dwell on the magnitude of our storm, and we take our eyes off of Christ, then that's when doubt creeps in, and then that's when we start to slip. That's when we start to stumble. That's when our faith begins to weaken. And then we feel like we're losing our grip when that doubt creeps in. But praise God, because he has the power to save us. And we see that here. He has the power to save us when we start sinking. He won't let us drown. He's too faithful. All we have to do is cry out, Lord, save me. As Peter did, he knew, he messed up, but he knew, he said, Lord, save me. There are times in your storm when that's the only thing that you can say. You can't say anything else. All you can say is, Lord, save me. In your prayer time, you don't have a long prayer. You can't pray a big prayer. The only thing you can say is, Lord, save me. There are times when you're just going through it. Life is beating you up. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. You can't put together a nice package prayer. The only thing you can say is, Lord, save me. That's enough. That is enough. That's all Jesus Christ needs to hear is you call out to him and say, Lord, save me. There are many who will find themselves in the lake of fire because they couldn't, take, couldn't bring themselves to say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. That's all it takes. Humble ourselves and say, Lord, save me. Peter didn't say, I can swim, I can swim the rest of the way. He says, Lord, save me. I'm sinking, I'm drowning here. I stepped out on faith, but then I took my eyes off of you. And I put it on my crisis, I put it on my situation, and I dwelled there. I set up camp there. And now I'm I'm doubting who Jesus Christ is and that he will keep me. All you have to do is call out, Lord, save me. And Jesus Christ is faithful to save you. It says a bruised reed, he will, not, he will not break. You're already bruised. He will not break you. He will save you. Trust in that. Trust in that. The Lord is more concerned with changing us than he is more about getting us out of our situation and our circumstance. Many times we doubt because there never really was faith to begin with. It looked like faith. But sometimes it's not really faith. And that's what storms do. They really, storms clear away everything else and it really determines who you trust. And so when that doubt creeps in, we're like, where did this doubt come from? The doubt is it, it, just because faith never really had anything to hold on to. Sometimes we doubt because our, our faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he should do is not, is not right. It's not what it should be. And so anytime we get into a storm and we, we think that, okay, Christ, why am I in this storm? I'm your child. I shouldn't be in this storm. Well, we know that that is not how God operates. He says, you will have trouble in this life. But he says, take heart for you have overcome. You, because I have overcome. And so Jesus Christ joins us in the storm. And so we, but we don't, he doesn't always remove us out. But sometimes when, when our doubt 
is, is it comes in because we, our faith never really maybe was what it should be to begin with. And so when a storm comes and we take our eyes and put our eyes on, on Christ, then we, we become overwhelmed, we begin to sink. And all we need to do is just trust and meditate on his word when doubt creeps in. That's the best thing you can do is to go to God's word in a, in a time of doubt and reassure yourself of God's promises. God's pro- Look at his word and what he declares in his word, and that will, that will hold you. His promises, that will anchor you so that you will not drown and that you won't go under. Not only do we see that Jesus reigns with grace and that he reigns with power, but Jesus reigns supreme. He simply reigns supreme. We see that in verses 32 and 33. We see after Jesus Christ saves, Peter says that in verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Truly. This is what it was all about to begin with. The storm was orchestrated to bring them to that point that they would see that truly you are the son of God. I have witnessed with my eyes. I have experienced myself that you are gracious and that you are powerful, that you rule over every single thing. That is what Christ is trying to get us to. The storm, yes, a bad storm, but Christ is trying to get us to that point where he said, truly, you are the son of God. This is the first time the disciples said that. They've been with Jesus Christ for, for quite some time. They've witnessed many, they just witnessed Jesus Christ take two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 people. But it was this event that brought them to realize that truly, he is the son of God. Truly, it, and, and we see that all they could do at that point is just worship. We don't see, we don't see any, they're not congratulating, you know, how we would do, Peter, high, high five, hey, Peter. Man, you did that, man, you walked on water. They don't, Peter is worshiping too. Everybody is worshiping God. Jesus is the hero. Not focusing on Peter, focusing on Jesus. They're worshiping Jesus Christ. Twelve men. In a boat. Did you hear me? Twelve men. Somebody didn't hear me. Twelve men. Worshiping. Praising God. Bowing before Jesus Christ the King. Giving glory to Christ for who he is. Not simply because he got them out of the storm, but because who he is. And so when you trust in Jesus Christ, you, you can worship God, you can praise him, not because he just got you out of the storm, but because of who he is. And sometimes we have, we find ourselves having, I'm a wait and see type praise and worship. Kind of like, you know how you're watching a game sometimes? Some of you, yesterday we're watching the UFL, UOK game. I'm starting to see some UOK fans kind of smiling. I ain't, ain't going to look that way, but. Sometimes we find ourselves watching the game and, and, and your team is doing, you're doing pretty well and you're just kind of on edge the whole game. You're like, okay, I can't celebrate too much because I don't know if we're going to win. So I'm going I'm to I'm I'm hold it. I'm going to sit. I'm going to chill right now. I'm going to celebrate a little bit when they score, but I ain't going to celebrate too much because they might not win. They might give it up. And sometimes that's how we are with God. I ain't going to praise too much. I ain't going to get too happy because I'm still in the storm. And so I got to wait till I get out of the storm before I praise God and worship God. 
I got to really see if he's, if he's who he says he is before I start praising and worship. I ain't going to give it to him. Worship him. Whether you're in the storm or whether you're out of the storm. Not because he delivered you from the storm, but because of who he is. And because he's already brought you out of the storm of all storms. Because he, he, he endured the storm on the cross for you. That's why you praise Jesus Christ. If we're waiting for him just to get us out of the storm before we praise him, then we have an imperfect view of who he is. We have the wrong view of who he is. And doubt will soon take us over. The disciples find themselves worshiping Jesus Christ. There's peace when Jesus Christ steps into the boat. Another indication that Jesus Christ was controlling it to begin with. He steps in the boat, the storm says, okay, we can stop. He's in the boat now. The emergency brake is off. They can go. That's how, that's how tough Jesus is. That's the God you serve. That's how God operates. I don't know about your storm. I don't know how he's going to come in, but, but I, I know that Jesus Christ will come into your storm. He may send help through someone else. He may minister to you through a word that you least expected. He may, he may come to you, I don't know, in some kind of way, but I know that Jesus Christ will give you what you need in your storm. All we need to do is trust. Trust like the three Hebrew boys when they were in the fire. They said, he's able. They said, Jesus, God will, he will, he will get us out. But he said that even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he says, he's able. Looking for that Paul type of faith. To live as Christ and to die as gain. If I die, I'm good. If I live, I'm good. I mean, if I die, I'm with Christ. I mean... Which one should I choose? I don't want to make light of it because it's not funny when we're in the storm, but, but that's, that's reality. Paul's like, if I die, okay, I'm with Christ. Sometimes we say, you know, I'm still living another day. Hey, if I'm not, I'm good. I mean, I don't want to die, but it's like, if we're not, then no more storms in the presence of God. I'm good. He experiences, they experience this peace. You know, sometimes when you're in the storm, Jesus Christ just gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding. You're in the storm, but you have peace. Because you can still operate, because you know who Jesus Christ is. You've got the peace, not because of who you are and because we're so strong, but because of who Christ is. And because we, we, we continue to hold on to his word, and we see him for who he truly is, and when you see Jesus Christ for who he truly is, that's where you get that peace. That's where that peace comes from. And so we see the disciples. They cry out, truly, you are the Son of God. Can you declare that in your moment of storm, in your crisis, in your conflict? Can you bring yourself to worship Jesus Christ, even if you're still in the storm? To not have any hesitation on worshiping Christ, whether you're in the storm or out of the storm. But you can praise God all the same because of who he is and what he's already done. In, in conclusion, I, I see that, you know, there was a, there was a, a, a what's called a perfect storm in 1991. Uh, you, some of you may remember that there was a movie based on this, this storm. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people had died. And this perfect storm. It's called the perfect storm. It, it, it was pretty crazy in, 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 in what kind of took place. 
But though we may focus and term that the perfect storm, there's actually another storm that's going to be coming. There's another storm that's brewing that is truly the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm because it's the storm that is brought on by the wrath of God. It's the perfect storm because it's his perfect wrath and his perfect judgment upon those who don't put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is a storm brewing, and those who have not given their life to Jesus Christ, you will not escape it. And so while the storms that we go through now may be difficult, the storm you're going through now, it's, it's going to be like a sunny spring day compared to the storm that is to come. And I pray that if you don't know Christ, that you would bring yourself, that you would allow Christ's words to come and that he would save you, that you would respond to his call and not delay. We don't know when this storm is going to come, but we're, we're guaranteed that it's going to come. And the question is, will you be saved from that storm? You don't have to go through the storm because Jesus Christ has already gone through it for you. He's already endured the wrath of God on the cross for your sins. And he rose again from the grave so that you would have life, eternal life, if you would just put your faith in him. You don't have to go through the storm. Revelations 20, verse 13, talks about this storm that is brewing and and reflects on what will take place. Verse 13, it says, And the sea gave up the dead and who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Pray that your name will be written and be found to be written and scribed, scribbled in the book of life. Your name will not be in the book of life unless you repent and turn from your sins and give your life to Jesus Christ and trust in him as Lord and Savior. That you trust in the perfect life that he lived. That you trust in the fact that he is truly the son of God who gave of himself up on the cross to pay for your sins past, present, and future, and trust in the fact that he rose again from the grave in three days, that for those who would believe they would have eternal life. That will seal your name into the book of life. It's not your works. It's not who you know. It's not you coming to church every Sunday. It's you putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God for the storms that come into our lives that strengthen us and help us to see who Jesus Christ is. Because they're meant to make us better. It's by his grace that he leads us into the storms. We can't always see why we're in a storm, but I'm confident that one of the reasons why we're in a storm is that we would behold the glory of God and that we would see that he's gracious and he's with us, that his power will keep us, and that we can worship him as the one true God. I pray that you will... Even though you maybe go through a storm in 2015, don't let that get you fearful or scared, but trust in God's unchanging hand and hold on to him and know that he's with you and he will keep you. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we...